Thank you for tuning in to the Realities Podcast. Realities Podcast is a blog-term podcast about the realities of life, what's trending, being a mom and a wife, family, career, and everything in between. I hope you enjoy this next episode, but please make sure that you follow us on Instagram at Realities, and that is R-A-I-A-L-I-T-I-E-S. Let us know what you think about this next episode. Enjoy. We are back with Joss. Hi, Joss. Hey, y'all. What's up? <laughs> hey, Joss. <laughs> this week's episode is about foster care. Um, of course, this month is, or this season is all about giving. Um, and so we felt that it was good to talk about um, the foster care system um, in a, in a good way, of course, um, but to just shed light on um, what it what is the foster care system. Um, if anyone listening was interested in fostering a child, um, or just helping out that the foster care system in any way, I'm just going to chat with Joss about that. Jocelyn is a um, foster mom, and she's been a foster mom for how many years? Jocelyn feels like. Feels like forever. <laughs> For um, this will be my fifteenth year being a foster. Say it seems like it's about twenty wow, years. That's a long hey, time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a long time to be just trying to retire. Right? No, I don't you think you can you retire, retire from being a foster. Parent. Yes, you can. No, no. <laughs> you you probably like that first call in the system. Right. <laughs> 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 Jocelyn has been a foster mom for 15 years. She's also um, has her social, is it social work background? Is that what your degree is? Yep. So social work background as well. Um, And so, of course, wanted to start off with some statistics from childrensrights.org. So in 2019, um, there were over 672,000 children who spent time in U.S. foster care. Um, on average, a child remains in state care for over one and a half years, and 5% remain for five or more years. And then um, a site called Wallet Hub did a um, report in August of this year, August 26th to be exact, in which they um, compared the 50 U.S. The 50 states, I keep saying U.S. states and it's United States, but anyway, the 50 <laughs> states and D.C. across and, and compare them to 27 key indicators of neediness. Um, the data set range from the share of children and households with below poverty income to the child food insecurity rate to the share of maltreated children. And so with that finding, they found that New Mexico came in first with the most underprivileged children. Maryland actually scored 46 out of 51. DC was third and Virginia was 48 out of 51 um, with, the, with the most underprivileged children. They also talked about this time period of COVID um, in which underprivileged children are likely to suffer due to the lack of access to healthcare resources daily meals and technology. I can definitely speak to our county that we all live in, Prince George's County. 
Prince George's County has done an amazing, an amazing job from my, from what I am able to see. Of course, I'm not in the political or politics. I'm not in the education system, but um, just by seeing, you know, in the news as well as receiving the alerts, um, read newsletters, what have you from from our um, cities as well. They've done an amazing job with uh, with attempting to reach out to the underprivileged children um, to make sure that they have the technology that they need to um, fulfill their needs with virtual school, with virtual learning. Um, PG County has offered um, and made available the Chromebooks for children um, and also have made available just the food options. So if you know a child is not able to have the right resources for food, for daily food, for their three meals a day, they're able to go to their nearest school to pick up meals. Um, and then healthcare resources, they've made it available that they're able to still seek the necessary care that they need when and if needed. Um, so I definitely want to give kudos to our county, um, not just like anyone else county, but all I know about is my own. <laughs> so definitely want to give kudos to PG County, and that is Prince George's County, Maryland. I had someone before say PG County, Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, yes, Prince that's the gorgeous Prince George's. Yeah, Make sure you add that ass on there. Gorgeous <laughs> Prince George's. Prince George's County has done a remarkable job with ensuring that all of our children are um, not slighted during this time. So kudos to PG County and all of its leaders out there. So to start, um, Joss, tell us about your background as far as um, being a foster mom, um, when you started, why you started. Um, and of course, you already told us it's been 15 years. So I guess so just give us that brief history. So long ago, on a hill. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Feel like a I hill. started um <laughs> right. on a hill. Was she was really looking like on a hill. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I was um take it back to my time at Howard. I was, you know, hustling and being a worker. Um I got a job, a paid job, being a paid mentor uh with the organization and it was mentoring children in foster care. And there was this, um, uh, it was this girl that really like just stole my heart. Pretty, pretty, pretty brown skin, beautiful girl who didn't think that she uh, was beautiful. Um, so uh, that was my mentee and I took her everywhere I went. Um, and I didn't really know too much about foster care even though I was in school. Uh, to be a social worker um, and she, I would pick her up from school and she would have like holes in her uniforms and it was just a sad sight to see and so um, you know just being her mentor would take her with me to the mall and then uh, we we got approval for her to stay overnight at my apartment um, and you know we would have little girl nights where I would paint her nails and things like that and then she wanted to stay longer 
she would ask her social worker, can Ms. Jocelyn pick me up on Thursday after school? And then I go and then she take me to school on Friday and then she dropped me back off to school on Monday. And I mean, I was okay with it. I wasn't like doing anything. You know, I was getting paid for it. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's a lot of hours. Um, <laughs> and her social worker was like, yeah. So at the time I was 20 years old and her social worker had requested um, to have a meeting with me. And I was very, very nervous and scared. I was like, what did I do wrong? I like done fed her something, made her allergic reaction or something. But she applauded me for being a positive role model in her life and for take doing more than I actually, you know, would. And, and she approached me and she said, have you ever thought about being a foster parent? And I was like, a foster parent? I was like, I'm in school. Like, I don't know. She was just like, just the way that you work with um, this young lady is amazing. And she's already spending half of the week, most weekends at your house anyway. Um, and she actually... The, the young girl asked her social worker if I could become her parent. And so, you know, I thought about it. I prayed about it and I had no idea what it was. And so she told me about the process, which is going to classes, getting a background check, doing a home study. At the time I was, uh, had an apartment in Silver Spring. And so I, I was like, oh, okay, you know, um, and I didn't know that you get a stipend for it. So I was like, wow, like you get, paid to like take care of a child like didn't know that so um you know I thought about it prayed about it talked to my parents talked to my friends about it talked to my sorority sisters about it and everybody was like yeah the girl's there any anyway why not um but the issue was that I was only 20 and I would be 21 in about six months and they were trying to remove this young girl from her current home because of neglect um, in the foster care system. Um, like I told you, I would pick her up, there'd be holes in her, she ain't had no jacket some days, and we would, you know, I'd just meet her needs because, you know, that's just what I do. Um, went to court, the judge ordered her to be placed with me, which is pretty amazing because judges don't do that. They don't, you know, try, they don't break the rules. If the rule says you got to be 21, normally, no, you got to wait. So I, I was, I was, I, I thought that was just God moving in my favor. Mm-hmm. And it was rough, but I, I'm, I'm still here. And uh, she, how old is my baby? She is now 27. She's been through a lot. She is working. She has her own apartment. Um, she has a son. Um, she's raising her son the best way she can. Um, I'm just happy her son's not in foster care. Because uh, normally that's what happens with kids that are in foster care. Um, 80% of those children end up having children and they end up having those children be in foster care. Um, She didn't stay with me long because of her attachment issues. It was a push-pull relationship, but um, we still kept in contact throughout these years. I've had many, many, many other children after that, but that was my first baby. So we talked about, ended up pretty much, ended up (laughs) in foster care. And our conversation with why we wanted to, um, you know, we thought about 
talking about foster care was because that's something that we both had talked about um, with our spouses is, and I think I told you about that before, Mm -hmm. um, being Mm -hmm. interested in at some point becoming a foster parent, but uh, we also wanted to just bring it out to a bigger audience as well for those who were thinking about it um, and just didn't know much about it. Of course, there's a lot more to what we're going to talk about. Um, and it's probably a, a bigger scope than what we're able to discuss. Um, and some, you know, that want to do it, hopefully are wanting to do it for the positive reasons and not for um, a stipend. You can, don't need your stipend. I doubt that that stipend is going right. to help you live. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but um, for, for me, I had um, a young lady, but that helping her and, and dealing with her for so many years is what kind of sparked my interest. Um, sadly, she, you know, everything that I put into her and, and attempted to pull her away from just didn't work. Um, she could not, you know, I didn't have the um, luxury of her coming to stay with me because um, she still had, you know, her parents in her life who was pulling and tugging for her to do else, you know, other things. So got her as far as I can get her, which was to college. And that's where I had to cut the, <laughs> cut the rope at. at cut that the point. ties. Yeah. Time for you, you to go, baby. Time yeah. for you to go. You know, I, I literally drove her to school. I helped her move her belongings in the school, dropped her off. In short, everything was done. Financial aid, you had to pay for nothing. You literally had to just go to class. She ain't do none of that. So that kind of teed me off. And I'm like, okay, I can't, you're grown now. Cause so that's, you know, what started all of that too. And just started going in the wrong direction, but that's what kind of sparked my interest. Um, and then of course, throughout the, throughout the years I did, you know, the big big sister program and had a little sister um, that was short, a short stint, I'll say. Um, it is fairly hard to deal with children and they still have the parent in their ear. It is very, very hard to deal with them um, because you're trying to coach them and direct them and advise them to go into a direction that they're being told to do the opposite of. Um, and then, you know, when you have that parent or guardian who's like, you know, who do you think you are? Like, leave her alone. We want her to do this. And you're telling her to do that. Like, honestly, like for the other young lady that went to school, I don't think her family wanted her to go to school. I don't think they, they even thought that she would have made it that far. So even getting to, although she only made it to her first, to freshman year, was still an accomplishment. You know, I'll tell her that, you know, you still accomplished something, you got there. So that shows you that you can continue it. You just, um, so she, for me, it was taking that person under your wing and trying to, to better them and put them on the right path and let them see things differently because what they were currently seeing wasn't it. And just showing them that, no, I'm not better than because I've been there. So I'm able to actually tell you that this is what I've seen. And I can tell you that there's a whole nother tunnel for you to go, go through. Um, and there's light at the end of that tunnel for one. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Know, you know, I think, um, you know, being a helper, being in the helping profession, we learned that you have to start where the client is. And that was one thing that I can say that I did. Um, and I think that, you know, with your heart, with G's heart, um, I think that's what the foster care system needs more of. We need more people that are hip and young or youngish or, you know, and really concerned about these babies we got these babies in the street and the streets are teaching them and honestly that's why I stayed 
Um, I learned that my forte was not girls. I learned quickly. Um, and so I have fostered more boys than girls um, because of my interest. Um, I'm a girly girl, but I don't really like being around a lot of women. It's crazy, right? But I love boys. I love sports. Girls are girls are much more to handle. They you have are. the smart mouth. You have the you have that menstrual time when they're now, or as my mom says, smelling themselves, depending on how old they are. And then they can just, I mean, we're moody. So you don't want another moody one. No, it was it was I have so two hard fostering girls. And I learned very quickly after like yeah. my first couple girls, I was like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Um, but um, so is that a so is that an option? Like, do they give you the option to right. say, you know, the, this is what my preference is? Oh, absolutely. Is when you go through your your matching pro, when you go through your licensing process, um, the agency that you can choose to go with now. Okay, so let's break this all the way down. So there are traditional children and there are therapeutic children and then there are medically fragile children so there are three categories of children um i always wanted therapeutic children and i will tell you the difference between the three types of children sure was going ask. <laughs> the traditional children in my opinion are not going to be in care long they may stay a couple days maybe a couple weeks um, they literally, other than the trauma of being removed from their home, they have no other issues. They have met all development milestones on their on their own. You know, you know, healthy upbringing. Um, they may have lost maybe a parent. Um, they may have came into foster care because their parent got incarcerated and they didn't have nowhere else to go. Um, oh. They're just traditional children, regular children, no therapeutic needs. Now, my favorite set of children is our therapeutic children. And those are children that may or may not have an IEP. They may take medication. They may have witnessed any type of violence or um, been involved in maybe um, a human trafficking um, scheme or human trafficking circle. Mm -hmm. Um, these are your children, in my opinion, that need to be loved on a little bit more. Um, and it's crazy that I always wanted traditional children. I mean, um, um, I always wanted therapeutic children, not traditional children. Because in my opinion, all kids that's involved in foster care are therapeutic, therapeutic children. Yeah. Because they have lost a part of them. They have lost a parent. They have separated from a parent. And so really, I didn't see the difference. Um, because in my opinion, if you're separated from a person that should be called my mommy or my daddy, and now they're not my mommy or my daddy, they need some therapy. They need some yeah. treatment. They need wraparound services. They need as much love and support that you can give them. They need tutoring. They need, um, you know, support. They need uh, maybe a mentor. They need, and I wouldn't get that with a traditional child because of their classification. So I always was careful. I knew I wanted 
those therapeutic babies, knowing that they came with a whole lot of therapeutic issues. Now, I also tried the medically fragile thing. And uh -uh. I cannot stand a sight of blood. And um, I had one baby who had um, was diagnosed with diabetes, childhood diabetes. And boy, was that a job. You had to like measure everything. You had to like mm -hmm. give insulin shots. And I mean, I, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This ain't for me. Um, she had she had a cat that she had to have. I mean, it was it was a it was a lot. It was a lot. So I didn't have enough time to give her, which I don't think um, that was a good match for me. Right. Um, so that's why mm -hmm. I chose the therapeutic route. So it did. Um, so we we was answer, I was no that was that was that was we were talking about that like was different, it. different types of children. <laughs> so no, that was it. But I, is there? Do you have? Uh, preference as far as age like do they I know you said that you can there's a preference as far as the gender so is there a preference as far as age like you say okay no I don't want if they're not potty trained don't call me for that so you can always also choose that um you can choose what age you want what sex you want if they're heterosexual or homosexual you can really choose. yes but how would they know like they would yes. know well I mean I guess they Yes. Would or wouldn't. They gonna say they gonna tell you what they are now. These oh, children, no. they come, they know what they like and they know what they want and they know what you are and they know what type of I mean these are children and yeah. They, yeah. That's tough though. So yeah. for me, Rayshawn, you know I love my tweens and my teens. I love my uh -huh. tweens and my teens. <laughs> and honestly, because in being in the field of social work those are the children that people don't want. Mm -hmm. um, but in my opinion, those babies need love too. Right. Just because they're 12 years old and they don't have a family member, um, th there's more children that are teens in foster care than anything else. Yeah. Um, there are children at foster care that are 17, that'll be 18 next month. And they sometimes they stay in foster care till they're 21. And those babies need some help um, getting into college and understanding what it means to budget their money and learning mm -hmm. how to drive. I mean, those babies need love too. And um, I knew that this was before I became a mother. Like a rip, like a birth mother. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to teach nobody how to read. I didn't want to teach nobody how to be potty. I didn't want to go to the potty training stuff. <laughs> so for me, a team was better for my lifestyle. Yeah. It's come on, I'm gonna show you how to cook. I'm gonna show you how to clean. I'm gonna show you how to catch the metro. And I see you at 7:30. You better be here so I can come pick you up and so we can go home. Mm -hmm. So for me and for my lifestyle and for, remember, I was in school, I was working lots of jobs, I was young, I was in my 20s. So I wanted to live as a parent. So that's right. why um, I've chosen teens. And I think I just mastered it. And I just, I, I love my teens. Yeah. And it makes it easier because they are independent. I mean, aside from yeah. their reasoning for being in in foster care they are at that age where they can you can leave them in a house you know you can you can right. tell them like you said this is how you know you should know how to put some noodles in the microwave you might not right. have to cut on my stove because <laughs> i don't know about that right you know not to put the fork <laughs> in the microwave okay you know not to put no foil in there 
Exactly. So they know at that age. So do you find that, I know you say you've done, you've pretty much had the the teens and tweens pretty much <laughs> like the younger um, children that are in foster care. Do they typically go back with their parent? Like, are they more, I don't know the so word. Typically. So the laws have been more friendly for the children over the years. So back, you know, we eighties babies. So back in the eighties and the nineties, those babies that came into foster care, they probably stayed in foster care and aged out because there was no ticking time. There was no time. Uh, there was no clock for their birth parents to get themselves together. Okay. The laws have now changed on a federal level. So during the time that a child comes into care, um, the, the, uh, the, the birth parents or the birth parents have about 24 months to get themselves together. So that's like two years. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then, then that means that the children are eligible to get a goal change. And a goal change may look like custody and guardianship. So maybe a family member wants to get custody of them or guardianship of them, um, or maybe they are eligible for adoption, um, or maybe they will just age out of foster care. It's all based off of um, the needs of the actual child. But once a baby comes into foster care, oh, the time is ticking. And so if you think about, yeah, the younger children, a lot of people who are barren or who can't have children or in a same-sex marriage, they're looking to adopt and they're looking to provide permanency for those children that are younger so yes technically the children that are younger they don't stay in foster care a very long time because you have people that want a chance of raising their child you know from a young child you know up until the age of when they get older got it so when they so for them to um age out what does that look like like do they when they hit 18 or you said 21 do they just say, okay, it's y'all so go? fucking scary. And I'm so sorry for cut for cursing. I've had a child that has aged out. Um, so this baby was uh I got this baby when she was 19 and she was in college. Um, so at the age of 18, the child has a choice to say, I want to stay in foster care. Or they can petition to say, I don't want to be in foster care anymore. I want, I want to leave. Um, so they do have that option at the age of 18. Um, there's so many perks for these babies. Uh, normally, they get some assistance with, you know, workforce development or extra, you know, sometimes in the state of Maryland, if you are a child that comes into care um, and you can't and you're eligible for college, um, the state will pay for you to go to a state school. So that's University of Maryland Eastern Shore, they will pay for it. University of Maryland College Park, they will pay for it. Any state school, if you come into care in the state of Maryland, you are eligible for that. So this young girl, um, she was 19 and um, she came in and she was turning 20 
and um, she was enrolled in college. She was attending University of Maryland College Park. Smart, 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 smart girl. She worked at CVS on the weekends as a pharmacy tech. Um, and she, I was, you know, I, I was, we was, we was, I felt like we was like roommates. I would give her a curfew. She'd come in, she, you know, whatever. Um, but when, so she stayed for about a year and a half, a year and some months. But when she turned 21, um, I wasn't in the right state of mind to have her stay like longer, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like, your birthday is there. You got, you, you, here's $500 to get an apartment. Thank you. I'll see you. See you later. Good luck. Like it literally was that. It was, it was that, it was that. Um, I still talk to her still to this day. Um, she stayed with me a little bit longer than when she, I mean, I wasn't kicking that baby out of my house. I just lost the benefits from for supporting her. Um, but literally it was like, I mean, we were planning for it. Everyone knew. It was like, okay, you got six months. What's going to be your plan? Oh, I get. It didn't. I don't think it really hit her until right. a month before her birthday. And she was like, oh, shit. I'm really like not going to be in the system anymore. Um, she's now living. She has two kids. She has her own apartment. And she. And she she made it like that's but that's good. not everybody's story yeah. yeah that's scary though just to sit there just to think that when they hit that age five hundred dollars you can't do nothing nothing no. okay that's groceries grocery store twice maybe that's grocery right store that's yes no no and no that's, like, and that's going to, to aldi or save a visa card it was here you are Here's your medic. Here's your Medicaid card. You gotta apply for real Medicaid now. I'll see. Goodbye. I was so like, I was so shocked. That's messed up. It was yeah, it was messed up because she had, you know, no child who relied on the system like basically all her life. I mean, she's she was in the system since she was four, so all she, yeah. she knew was home to home to home to home to home. Um, yeah, she was a pharmacy tech. Yes, she had a job, but it wasn't like, here, go a voucher or let's put you in this. Like, it literally was like, here's the world. They need to have kind of that, like you have it in in your jobs, that exit strategy, that exit interview to kind of set them up for them to succeed because all you're doing is, is, hurting you know the economy pretty much you're hurting the world by just throwing them out there and hoping that they succeed because they not not all of them do then here you most are, children you know, who age out of foster care end up in the homeless services system most wow. children they don't have a family to go to they don't right. have people to rely on um and really i think we did we did start with her at six months before she was you know aging out but that's still not enough time yeah, yeah, she, she needed to prep. She needed to prepare for that way earlier. Years. than that. It's like, look, yeah. 
this is how you save this, you know, or even our, the state of Maryland Put has so many resources. Right. But now she had yeah. the job, but it's like, yeah, she had a know, job. No, I mean, no, not just her, just in general. Anybody. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause other people yeah, aren't privy to up. have privileged enough. It was enough so to, yeah. sad. And I, I told her, I was like, look, like you could stay as long as you need to like, but she, I could see it in her. Like, it wasn't like we, she left on like bad terms. It was like, okay, I'm 21. I guess I got to get out. I mean, I never said that messes with the person mentally though. That that, that definitely jacks them up mentally. Cause it's like, now what do I do? I've relied on, you know, this social worker, this caseworker to tell me when, where, for how long. And now I have to just figure it out. And no one showed me how to figure it out. That's crazy. Right. And if you think about the brain, the brain doesn't start, stop developing until no. like 25. Yeah. So uh, being a 21-year-old baby in this world, her brain was still trying to understand, you know, right. how to be an adult and how yeah. to learn and how to thrive. And, yeah. you and know, now you have that, that adult. Now you have yes. that adult who is now trying to teach other children and raise other children to do what she wasn't taught to do. So that's yep. that that'll be a test for her to try to figure it out. And I mean, she 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 seems smart enough though. She's she's gotten through it. Oh, so she doing she it. Will. She doing it. And I see her on Facebook all the time when she posts and she's an excellent mother and I'm I'm just so 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 proud of her. I'm so so proud of her. Mm-hmm. Um but that is because she had a caring parent. And so right. that brings me back to my original thing. If she didn't have a caring parent that understood what it is to be a teenager or what it is to, you know, being, you know, being a girl living in a DMV who wants a life. Right. She would have been worse off. So what are some of the reasons that a child could be put into foster care? Aside, you know, I know you talked about um, like a parent getting um, arrested or incarcerated. Um, You talked about human trafficking. What are some other reasons? So legally, there are two ways. Legally, there are two ways and a possible. It sounds like a spades game because it is. Um, Two ways and a possible that a child could come into care. They can come into care for abuse. That means um, their parents or their guardian has physically, sexually, emotionally abused them. Um, And the court system has deemed that um, without a benefit of a doubt. So that means that the evidence that was supported in court, the judge ruled and said, without a benefit of a doubt, this child was abused. So whether that is through physical marks or through whatever data that was collected during the CPS investigation. You can also come into care through being neglected. And that is through um, not having the resources and the items that you need in order to thrive. Now, a child may have some medical neglect because their parent hasn't taken them to get their physicals. 
the child may have educational neglect because their parent didn't ensure that they were attending school. Well, hell, that's uh, half the damn county now with this you know what? <laughs> virtual. I'm just saying. <laughs> I got like two kids who, who've only been to school three times. Well, CPS, you can give CPS a call <laughs> and CPS can do an investigation. <laughs> so real quick, hey, so the, the, and I know you, you still have one more. Do these, do the kids who are, um, who are neglected physically or mentally, are, do they actually have that same timeline? Are they allowed to come back into the house? So yeah, so there. So when so let's say for instance, Jocelyn comes into foster care at the age of ten, because a little bit of both happened, a little bit of abuse, a little bit of neglect. At the time that I come into care, let's say I come into care December first, twenty twenty, my parent has twenty four months from December first, twenty twenty to get themselves together by whatever orders that the judge says that my parent has to live by in order to get me back. So whether it's they have to make sure there's, you know, a roof over their head, that the mother attends maybe some parents and classes, the mother or the father or both attends parents and classes, there's a safety plan in place so that this doesn't happen again. Um, so there is a possibility of a, a parent who lost their child into the system. They can they can get them back. They can work to get them back. They have it's time. Scary to get though. Them back. It's oh, it uh, the only reason why I say it's scary because I'm thinking more of the physical abuse part, like the neglect. Okay, sometimes people don't necessarily know exactly what it is that they're supposed to do as far as their child goes. But that physical, like if you're putting your hands consistently on your child, that that's that's the scary part because that's very difficult to turn around and stop doing, no matter how much time you're getting. Yeah. So treatment works. Treatment works, and I'm here to say it. I've seen it. Um, I have seen it. I have seen a a mother who beat her child when she was under the influence of a substance, alcohol. I have seen her turn her life around, and I have seen that baby go back to live with the mother through lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of counseling. Yeah. I mean, there were there was individual counseling for him. There was individual counseling for her as a mother. There was family counseling for them to talk about the abuse and talk about the trauma and talk about what happened. Um, and then there were supervised visits where their interactions were monitored and looked at. Then they moved to overnight visits where the baby was able to go to the mom and stay for one night. And then it led to like three nights and then a week and then a month and then three months so, so there was there yeah it's gradual process but mental health treatment works and um i still have i'm still in touch with him um and he graduated and he is in college and working and still living with his mom who loved him dearly i don't think any parent wakes up and says I just want to be a shitty parent and I just want to abuse and neglect my child. 
something happened to that parent mm -hmm. to make that effect on that child. Yeah. What was the um the third reason? We you said abuse, neglect. Okay. So the third reason is for the safety and the preservation of the family. Okay. So if you have a child who has some behaviors or is exhibiting some things or maybe has some mental health stuff going on and you as a parent, you just don't know what to do. You can, uh, you can ask for a temporary removal of that child working with the Department of Social Services to try to mitigate the issue because you as a parent have done everything you can do to support the child, but the child is just out of control. And you right. know, you, you don't wanna lose your other children. And so I've seen children voluntarily come into care because the parent just says, I can't do it right now. Or the parent can say, I'm experiencing homelessness because, and I don't want my child to go through this with me. I think it's best that she or he goes into foster care and I give myself a little bit of time to get my life together. Got it. That would have been my, that was going to be my next question. If you can voluntarily. It's so not done a lot. It's not done a lot. It has to be very heavily documented. Um, but I have seen it done. I have seen it done. Um, and I have seen those parents get their child back. Well, that's still good. What was the possible? The possible is um, when children are um, involved in the juvenile justice system. And so their parents' rights are temporarily terminated because of the, 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 the crime that the child has committed and multiple and, and committed on a multiple occasion. Um, if a child steals from a store, they're not automatically going to get placed into a foster care home. But um, what's uh, they'll be under uh, probation before judgment. They may remove that child and put them in a foster home to sort of try to treat the child, mitigate the issue. Um, but the state has custody and guardianship of that child temporarily um, and will put those children into a, a protective situation so that they're able to thrive. Okay. Um, and I had one of those type of children as well. Um, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, he, he, he died um, and he died after um, he finished his probation and he moved back home with his mom. Um, and unfortunately, he engaged in some of the behaviors that he was doing before. Um, and so he... Um, him, his brother, his cousin, and one of his close friends, they were joyriding in a car that they uh, had stolen. Um, and they was going very fast and the police had found them and chased them. 
um, and they ended up crashing into a pole and my baby got rejected, ejected out of the car. Um, and when the paramedics arrived, he was pronounced dead. Yeah, that's, that's the sad part. So who was I going to answer? So when a child does leave, like for, I'm pretty sure as a foster mom, there is that emotional attachment. Yeah. Like what do you, for someone that is currently a foster care parent or someone that is looking to get into, you know, being a foster parent, what would you suggest or what would your advice be, you know, to them? Um, because for you, you've done this for 15 years and you've had children that have, you know, aged out or went back home or whatever the case was. Um, what would you, what advice would you give to them as far as the, the emotional attachment that you now have to detach from? Because like you said, you, you are going into this as a caring individual and then you grow to love that child like or love that child um but then you know you also look at that that child as this is my child because you have to care for them and love them and like them just as you will any child you know a child that you've bared yourself so what do you it's so hard i mean it's so so hard even the ones that was giving me a hard time and i said "Uh uh-uh they gotta go today Mm -hmm. um it's 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 so hard it's so hard i mean you care for a child you kiss their wounds you know you hold them when they cry Mm -hmm. um you just have to know getting into this that these are not your permanent children unless you're going to permanently keep them Mm -hmm. Um, and i had to learn that over the years through so much hurt um, there was there was periods of time where um, when they would go to court, they would come back and say the judge said they can go home. And I would cry and I would cry for days. And my agency would call me and say, hey, we have another child. Are you ready? And I would have to get myself together to go back in. And I, I look at it as like being a soldier. Um, yeah. You know, like nobody's, you know, people, you have a duty and I had a duty and my duty was to, to provide a loving home and, and, and care for these children to the best of my ability and give these babies the best life they could actually have. Um, and when my time is up, my time is up and I had to prepare myself. And of course it got easier as I, um, you know, as I came, um, having a child die though, he wasn't in my care, but he, it it was that, that's a long story. He, he should have been back in my care and the judge made the wrong decision. After that one, I just learned like cherish every single moment with these children. Don't take a minute for granted. If they don't know how to fold their clothes, when they come to you, you teach them because you may not have tomorrow. Um, or if, you know, you're thinking about maybe I'm going to take them to the pumpkin patch. Maybe I'm not. Oh no. Take them babies because you never know if next year, Halloween, you're going to have that opportunity. Um, but you even train yourself. I'm about to say, even, even them where they are emotionally, because a lot of times kids don't know how to express themselves and some things may lift their spirit. So I think to what you were saying, like just small things that we think are just small things, maybe big things for them. 
Oh, I've taken yeah. them to I the pumpkin kids. patch. And- yeah, my kids, it was a lot of my kids. Like we we celebrate every single holiday. St. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Day, we dressing up in green. Or you yep. gonna get <laughs> Valentine's Day, I'm gonna give you a little love notes and I'm gonna put them around the house. Mm-hmm. Halloween time, fall time, we're gonna make apple cider and go to the pumpkin patch. I mean, I am I'm providing you what you should have gotten. And yeah. please believe I had 16-year-olds, like, we ready to go to the pumpkin patch? I mean, literally, like, because <laughs> they, they never been. Yeah, or children crazy, that, yeah. you know, never had a Christmas. Yeah. Or children who never went on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Or children who never experienced going to the beach. Yeah. Or never left their neighborhood um, in Landover. Mm-hmm. Or never left the state of Maryland. I yep. mean, these are real, these are real life situations. And yep. you, know, you just cherish the time that you have and you impress upon them all your positivity. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you try to stay connected. So I so what I don't understand, and it's not necessarily for you to answer, but it makes they send the kids out who age out. They send them, they give them a little stipend and send them about their business. I, I, just like we think they should prepare the children who are aged out or who are going to age out. I also think that there should be some, there should be something that assists the parents who are, who have these babies come in and at some point in time, these, these, these kids go back to their families. Like they're oh, they that's do. a mental thing. They do. Oh, gee, they do. Oh, they give these parents so much support. So much. They put them, they give them parents in classes. They give them mentors. They give them housing assistance at some time. I mean, I think that our foster care system in America has definitely improved over the years. Over the 15 years that I've been involved, it's improved. Um, CPS is not coming to take people's kids anymore. Yeah, it's cheaper to keep her. Remember that, okay? Mm-hmm. They will put all of these services in. Even, I mean, not no heinous crime, not no black and blue eyes, or not right. no sexual, yeah. you know, whatever. But there's levels to this. Oh, if yeah. they are doing something, if they if they don't have toilet paper in their house or running water or no mattress, and the child is sleeping on the floor, nine times out of ten, they have what's called family preservation. They will go in and try to preserve. They will use dollars to support the needs of the mother or the father or the family so that they, they live in a little bit better. They'll do workforce development. They will you know, get them all together. And sometimes if they qualify, they'll give them vouchers. Oh no, they pour into these parents. And so for the parents that lost their kids, they lost them for a reason. Because the system realizes that parents are the child's experts and that they want these children to be with their parents. If you get your child taken away, you you, you done not did a whole lot of stuff. Hmm. But it doesn't make them bad people. And I had to learn that. A lot of times these parents are just not ready. They don't have the tools. They don't have 
they don't have the skill or they're dealing with their own trauma that they just can't. Yeah. And that took me a long time because seriously, I want to say the first six years that I was foster parents, a foster parent, I hated the birth parents. When I would have to meet and see them and see them in court or see them at a meeting, I had such an attitude because Mm -hmm. you understand what these parents didn't do for this baby that you love. Yep. And it's so hard, but through my faith, I had to learn forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I had to learn that I'm here and put put in this place for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me some time now. The first couple of years, I was like, look at her. Uh." But um, a lot of parents, they, they, they don't get their children taken away just because, you know, they wake up and say, hey, I don't want my baby no more. Mm-hmm. I can definitely say like it had things have changed over the years you know everybody always has that little slight joke where if something happens they're like oh you better stop CPS gonna come and get you you better make sure your kids go to school CPS gonna come and we had an incident earlier this year in the in the summertime with the baby um and she ended up being hospitalized and when I tell you CPS was like I came I stayed with her because of course it was COVID um I stayed with her in the hospital and then the next day dad came and was there with her and he called me like um they're asking me all these questions i'm like okay just tell the truth like what were you scared about he's like it's just kind of weird like they asking me the same questions over and over and over and over again i was like yes it's called cps babe (laughs) and you know after that i would say within the last week or two i've noticed the calls have stopped but we get the call still like hey we're just checking on the baby we're just checking i'm like Okay. I get the call from Children's Hospital. I get surveys. I get all of this stuff. And it was happening like once a week. And I'm like, all right, y'all can stop calling. Like she good. Like she was good the second day, honestly. See, and I think it, I think, I guess that's. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. But I guess it, it also depends on where you're, where you go. So for example, when Lenar was, I don't even think he was, he had maybe just turned two or he was about to turn two. He was at daycare, wasn't in my care. And he fell down the stairs and he fell down the stairs outside. So he's on concrete and he had this big golf ball size. Like, so the, 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 daycare provider she called me she was like look I just want to let you know he fell and he has a knot on his head I was like okay you know I'll check it out when I when 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 I come and get him because again my head wasn't she was like she was calm about it she was like no I think you need to come and get him because so she and she was like hold on I'm gonna send you a picture she sent me a picture and when I tell you I promise you a whole golf ball size knot Mm I panicked. So I ended up taking them to Southern Maryland. Nobody asked me anything. They It wasn't like, they were just like, so what happened? And then that was it. But my, in my head, I'm kind of like, so I bring my child in here and he has this huge knot. Nobody's concerned. Nobody's like, okay, so let's let's play this story out what happened and that was kind of that was kind of concerning and alarming to me because i'm like damn do y'all really care but when that something like that happened with with kenzie and she had to get stitches in the middle of her forehead she fell and split her forehead open and had to get stitches and i took her to urgent care up the street they didn't ask me no questions it was just like oh how is she doing she was calm i went back four times because she plucked the stitches out i think they probably should have asked me what the hell and why you what's going on (laughs) you know but a lot I, I, I of times know. with the children come into care for abuse, there's a pattern. Okay. It's a pattern. Yeah. 
it's not one isolated incident. Right. There's a pattern mm -hmm. of a mother or a father. When they get angry, they take it out on a child. Right. Um, and they have sets of documentation from the school, from right. neighbors, from family members. Remember I said without a bit without the benefit of the doubt. Like they really like the judge has to really, 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 really think that it happened. And right. all of the evidence has to be lined up. That's why mm -hmm. when if you are involved in CPS, they're gonna take pictures. Yeah. They're going to interview you. They're going to interview your significant other or your husband or your wife or somebody. They're going to interview the other kids in the house. They're going to knock on the door. They're going to talk to your neighbor. Mm -hmm. They're going to talk to the to the teacher, the principal. They're going to take all of that stuff into, into fact. It's not like when we was growing up, 80s, 90s, when all you're going to do is you got a knot on your head. They're going to take your child. Right. Because right. it's it's... It's, it's more damaging for that child to be removed when you can mitigate it with yeah. putting the, the parent in parenting classes yeah. or doing parent, a safety home study. Because that parent could have been one of those children that got aged out of foster care and just don't know what to just don't know how to care or raise a child. That's right. And That's putting right. them through counseling and therapy and things like that actually would will probably benefit them and help them to show them what they need to do to be a parent. Because some just don't know. I mean, you can you can make children, but you don't not everyone knows how to care for them. So yeah, exactly. and the children don't come with a, a handbook. Hell no, man. <laughs> If they did, can somebody please tell me what I'm doing? Where is the book? I will pay for it. Okay? Yes. So I had two last questions. Um, I don't know if G, I know this was one question that G had. Um, and well, it kind of ties in the same. So if someone was interested in being a foster parent, what are the basic, and I say the basic steps, because I'm pretty sure it's a lot more to it um, than just, hey, fill out this paper and let me run your background check. But what are the basic steps to take? And that follow-up question is, what are the financial responsibilities as a foster parent? I know the whole stipend thing, but I don't really foresee the state of nobody giving enough to fully care for a child because as children grow different age ranges, their needs are different. Right. Um, children can grow out of shoes in six months, I realized that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I doubt that you're getting. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure they make it so that they for their, be their basic necessities, but um, what, like I said, what are the basic steps to take if you're interested in becoming, and then what are those financial responsibilities that you, as a foster parent, have to be prepared for? Well, for one, um, I can start off by first, if someone is uh, interested in becoming a foster parent, they need to understand the hazards of the job, because it's a real <laughs> full-time job and so I came um with um a couple notes you have to be understanding that you will be exposed to difficult or toxic material the state of the child when they come in you have to understand that um you will be confronted with raw and intense emotions from these children from these parents from family members they gonna curse you out they don't they ain't gonna like you um, because you have their loved one and you are put on a pedestal as a foster parent and their birth parent is not like, right. You know, around anymore. Um, 
some things will personally trigger you. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm a domestic violence survivor, um, but I parent a child that has autism. Um, and when he goes, oh, he starts swinging. And so I have to make sure that I'm in a healthy state of mind that when he starts swinging, I ain't blocking out and swinging back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, a lot of sometimes, sometimes um, working with these children and their issues, it, you, you will be triggered. Um, you have to be able to uphold confidentiality. I can't call you Rayshawn and say, hey girl, let me tell you what is going on with this child because they, this is, they're protected. I can't Mm -hmm. just say, hey Rayshawn, this is what I'm going through as a foster parent um, because you know my child, you know? It's real. Um, It's isolating as well because I can't call you who's my sorority sister or I can't talk to my significant other it's like I can only go to my team, my social work team, my foster parents that's in my agency. And sometimes that isolates you. You have to be able to understand that your boundaries will be tested. Um, there's a lot of unreasonable expectations. Oh, the parents get visitation twice a week, three times a week. It's like, dang, I, I could barely get home and cook dinner and get the kids in the bed on a regular day. And you want me to do what? Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's, it's, it's a never ending changing job description. One day you a cafeteria, la- like virtual learning. I, I got, I got, I'm a cafeteria lady. I'm a principal. <laughs> I'm a tutor. I'm a, I'm a teacher. But I got all grades. Right. I'm, I'm a maid. I'm a Like, I'm like, dang, like, can I get some help in here? Um, and lastly, <laughs> you as a foster parent, you don't have no decision-making power. You can't make the decisions for these kids. You still got to work with their birth parent because all their rights may or may not have been terminated. So if there's um, a change or something with my child's IEP, I have to call a meeting and we have to talk about it. So for one, you have to understand what you're signing up for. Um, For two, there is a licensing process. And the process is normally about six to eight weeks of, um, of training. So they will train you up on how to be a foster parent, how to be able to um, understand the toxic material that you're doing, how to do behavior modification, um, because you can't whoop these kids. Like you can't beat them, you know, like you do your own kids, you know, maybe slap them on the butt. Nope. You know, you cannot do that. That's so abuse in this you- century. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, now Even you your own kids can call abuse because you Amen. popped them too yep. hard. Call them. Call Back in the them. day, your mother said, I wish you would. I wish you would. And they better take you and all your stuff. And I still say the same thing. Call them. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so, so they will train you on, um, there's also paperwork that you have to do. You have to turn in different um, behavior sheets as it relates to the child or how the child is doing. Um, the physical aspects, um, so, so you'll do these, you know, these trainings, they also want to see the actual space that the child is living in. Um, so in the state of Maryland, the child has to have their own bed. They have to also have to have their own dresser. 
and they have to have access to um, a bathroom that gives them privacy. Okay. Oh, that um, meaning like it just has to have a door in it. What is like? What does that what? mean? They have to have access to privacy. Okay. So in a bathroom, they can they they should be able to close the door, mm -hmm. lock it, um, you know, do what they need to do, come out. Um, because sometimes they'll share a room with, let's say, for instance, you have a daughter that's nine and you get a foster child that's 11, that 11-year-old can live in the same room as the nine-year-old, but the 11-year-old the needs to have a place where they can go and have some privacy to dress themselves um, oh, yeah. or something like that. So um there are other rules and laws, but those are the main ones. Um, they also have to have, so if you have a child, so uh, you, they, if they are sharing a room, they have to be able to share uh, with a child that's within their age range. So you can't have a 17-year-old sharing a room with a five-year-old. Yeah, that's right. right. Like, yeah, like, you wouldn't even like, do that if those were your kids, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like you can't do that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you can't have a, a girl and a boy share a room. No, like, mm -mm. like, no, no, mm -mm. you can't do that. Um, so that so there are other rules and there are other laws, but those are like the main ones. Um, if you are interested, you can if you're in the state of Maryland, you could look up the Comar rules around uh, the regulations around foster care, and it'll spell it out. It'll spell out everything exactly. Um, but for the most part, you go through, and then there is a fire inspection. So the fire department will come in um, and assess your home, um, look at the exits, um, look at where the spaces that the child will be living. You have to have certain things like first aid kits and fire extinguishers in the event of a fire. Um, you have to have a safe haven in the event of a fire. Like where's your family gonna meet if you have to leave? Um, so you have to like draw a map um, of your home and the exits and the entrances. Um, so that's a process. And then you have to have a safety inspection of your home. So uh, someone will come in and assess that there's like no no like wires exposed, like the lights work, the water is hot enough, um, you know, just the basic things. They wanna make sure that if you are being licensed in your home, that it's, it's a safe place for these children to live. And so you actually have a physical license. Like I have a license to, mm -hmm. I'm a licensed home. Um, and so to keep your license, you have to go through a yearly recertification process. So you have to go to continuing education classes. Um, going, you have to be able to um, also seek, um, get, you know, a physical look at the home to make sure it's still in the same operating order. Um, and then lastly, you are, um, there's an extensive interview process. They want to be able to understand like what you like your your parenting style, how you were raised, if you have any trauma, how many children do you have, or why are you why would you like to be a foster parent? They want to know about your pets. 
um, if they're licensed or not as a, you know, as a, as a pet, do they have their rabies shots and things of that nature? Because they, they do this to protect the health and safety and the well-being of these children mm -hmm. to make sure that they're placing them in a safe and loving situation. Sounds like a lot. It <laughs> is, but if you are, if you, if you really want to do it, it's, I mean, it's worth it in the end. Um, and then your second question, Ray, was what was the financial? Um, so I say this, you're given a stipend on a monthly basis, uh, but the expectation is that you will be able to live and thrive without the stipend. I say it's like child support. You know, you get it, you use it on the child, anything else, you know, it goes towards the household bills. No, I, I do. Um, me, me and my husband, we have talked about fostering. So it's just, it, it's a lot to take in. I definitely want to say thank you. Thank you again, um, Joss, for joining us. Second um, week in a row. Yes. <laughs> I have um, known Joss for, what's this year? For 12 plus years, I think, 12 years. And I've known her, the whole time I've known her, she's been a foster parent. And from my observation, she's she's amazing to have met the various kids that have that she's fostered. Um, I did I do have my favorite, but I can't say his name. Uh, <laughs> but okay. so thank you, thank you again, Joss. Like I said, Jocelyn has been an amazing um, foster parent from my observation for the last twelve years, but for her thank for the last fifteen you. years, um, she is a servant. She's a leader, and Every, you know, every, all the children that have been um, brought up under you pretty much should definitely um, be grateful, be gracious, be thankful, because I'm pretty sure you've left a mark in their heart and you have, and you probably are continuing to, I'm sure you're in touch with all of them because that's the type of person that you are. And so we definitely want to say thank you. You've enlightened us. And I'm pretty sure outside of me and G, there are many, many other people that just by hearing this information, um, if they were kind of scared away from foster parents and they probably want to at this point. And according to the statistics, we all can 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 reach out and help a child at some point. Just being there to give a child love and attention, that's all that they're asking for. Um, you don't have to be Beyonce and Jay-Z money, <laughs> you can just be, you know, a regular person and still be able to um, care for a child and give them what they need. They're not asking you to um, put ice on their wrist. They're asking you just to have ice for them to put in their cup. That's right. So, <laughs> so definitely thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we look forward to talking to you again. Yay. I am so thankful to be on this, um, this podcast, Rayshawn. And, you know, just as a, a African-American woman, um, I applaud you and Gina um, for just, you know, having a platform that people can talk about real life issues and the realities um, of just life. And so um, I want to give you blessings as well. And thank you for just, um, having topics to educate you know everyone just about different things because um, we all need this we all need the encouragement so thank you both oh, um and if if, if, oh. if your listeners want me to come back you know i talk a lot if they want me to come <laughs> back i will so jocelyn has about 20 degrees she just don't have them on her wall but yeah yes <laughs> yes thank you